0: Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. Joining me today is Soft Simon, creator, brains behind mempool.space. If you've not been to look at the mempool, it is a very powerful tool. and we, we, Actually, we should remember, there's probably a lot of Bitcoiners out there that still haven't even come to the realization that they can go and get a total visual of what's going on in the mempool and what has already happened on the blockchain we get into why we read it from left to right for those maxis out there we can actually put the wall to rest but you will figure out why if you listen to this conversation with soft simon before we get into the show please make sure you are stacking sats you have to be stacking sats as often as you can keep your head down keep your foot to the floor be stacking as often as little and as often as you can all the time preferably you can do that by you know various different ways one you could ask for bitcoin as your wage but two you can use SwanBitcoin.com forward slash bitten in the us they are an excellent bitcoin only stacking firm they will only let you buy they won't let you sell which is a nice little feature and a reminder of what we are here for relay are the equivalent kind of company in europe and across europe uk Relay.ch forward slash bitten use code REL727 to save on commissions and Coin Corner are based out of the Isle of Man and they serve the UK and Europe overall. So you can fiat cost average with Coin Corner using euros or pounds, no problem at all. Set up your account, you're good to go. Set up your auto DCA, smash buy whenever you want. Order the Bolt card, start using the Lightning wallet via their app. They're doing some great work. Now, if you want to stack KYC free, which many of you have uh, shown interest in doing and probably should do to diversify your stack if you haven't already, you can head over to hodl, hodl, slash H-O-D-L, hodl.com. That will save you on commission on the trades. It's peer to peer. So just go on there, find the people that you uh, are happy to interact with Set up your trade, and away you go. It's very easy to use. It takes a little bit of getting used to, if you're just used to the exchange experience. But, like all of us, we're here to learn. Fall down that rabbit hole, and you will be rewarded. These guys also organized the Baltic Honey Badger, which will be, again, first weekend, I believe, of September. 3rd September, I believe, so look out for that. There will be no discounts on those tickets, because they sell out every year. Now, if you've got your stack, and you want to add a little bit of privacy consider a coin join service the one I've been using is wasabiwallet.io you download it on your desktop you create a wallet you hit receive you create an address you run some satoshis through it you let the software do everything else and then before you know it hey presto you've done your first coin join then you can move them on to your hardware wallet shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten if you use the code bitten at checkout you will get a 5% discount on the BitBox O2 Bitcoin only hardware wallet. Then go check out Orange Pill app and consider getting to some of this year's conferences, next year's conferences. Here's my rip with Soft Simon. All right, we're recording. We're we with Soft Simon at Soft Simon. We're from the, uh, the the creator of MemPool. How you doing, mate? I'm doing well, thank you. MemPool.space, in case anybody is uh, wondering what that is. My challenge to Simon. By the way, you can see the T-shirt I have on here. My my yeah, favorite, it's a very nice T-shirt. My favorite Bitcoin T-shirt at the moment, because if you know, you know, right? I I'm just, I want to meet somebody completely randomly, just come up to me and say, "Hey, I'm a Maxi too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for that moment." But uh, what I'm so Lauren, what is this?
1: I don't know.
0: All right, that's good. <laughs> That's good because I'm going to go to mempool.space. Uh, actually, no, I'm going to ask Simon to do it. Um, if you can go to mempool.space and then share your right. screen, you're going. The, the challenge for you mm-hmm. is to explain what it is
1: to an 11 year old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me share my screen then here let's Mm -hmm. see there's some permission problems technical difficulties uh i haven't used zoom i would have to restart zoom to get the screen sharing working if that's
0: oh no let's not do that i'll just pull it up here and then we can uh, talk about it Um, yeah yeah you can yeah uh here we go sorry listeners bam so Lauren, what we're doing here? We're logging into mempool.space. This is the website that uh, Simon has created. Now, what, did, what, what would what would you see? What how would you describe what you see here, Lauren? <laughs> Blocks. Um,
1: things of Bitcoin,
0: or well, I don't know, of money. Okay, now Simon, why don't you do your best to explain to an eleven-year-old what what she's looking at?
1: Well. <sighs> The Bitcoin consists of a blockchain, right? So what you see on on the website, like the pink blocks you see is actually the Bitcoin blocks as it's happening in real time as the blocks are coming in. And uh, what you see to the left of the screen, to the left of the white uh, line is all the transactions that are waiting to be mind into real the real bitcoin blocks to be added to the blockchain and if you if you continue look at the website you will see like blocks just coming in added and you see the number on top of the block it just goes up one all the time so i mean that is uh, like the simplest way of uh, explaining what you're seeing here it's like you're visualizing how actually bitcoin look like the bitcoin network look like it's a blockchain uh, made of Blocks in a chain, very not harder than that, right? And then you have a queue of waiting blocks, or is it a time chain, Simon? Yeah, you could say yeah. it's a time chain. <laughs> you can. There are many names. <laughs> there are many names, but uh, I think blockchain is uh, for for this easier for this purpose, to visualize.
0: Yeah, for this purpose, definitely. Uh, you using the uh, the analogy of a blockchain is definitely, um, uh, you know. What do you think, Lauren? So so far, now now you've looked at that. Does that give you? But better... what what are your questions? Why <laughs> would you make a uh website? Is it that or is it, yeah, it's yeah, a website. website
1: yeah, like this. Because when I started to uh research about what Bitcoin is and how it works, it. To me, it was to me. It was like a black box. You you don't really see what's going on. But when you if you dig technically, you see that there's a blockchain of blocks, and the block has has transactions. So the website, especially, just it's basically just visualizing what I feel in my mind, what it actually looks like. So you can click on a block, and you can expose the transactions within. So it's just yeah it's just visualizing what the blockchain and the bitcoin network looks like because without this one you just have nothing you just have like a black box maybe if you have a raspberry pi node or something it's just a box there it does, doesn't look like anything where's the blockchain it's somewhere in there but uh yeah so i've just opened yeah, uh, the last block
0: and you can see this is made up of of all the different transactions and the different size
1: blocks represent different
0: size transactions
1: Silver, black, right maybe. and the colors are the the different kind of uh fee fee levels so the more yellow and more red is higher fee the bigger or yeah bigger size okay right i didn't realize the color scheme
0: okay uh all right so yeah, it matches
1: the color scheme to the in in the like the mempool mempool box as well on on the top left so now it's pretty green because the transaction fees are low but as the fees goes up it's going to get more yellowish and more reddish
0: hmm okay all right and then the size of the box it's not necessarily the amount of uh
1: bitcoin in the transaction is no, that correct no that's correct so you can send one bitcoin or a million bitcoin it, that's not what you're paying for you're paying for the the size of data and what makes a transaction more heavy and more data is usually how many how many senders and receivers do you have in the same transactions? Are you sending from 10 to 100 uh, outputs like receiver? Let's say if, if you make a, a withdrawal from an exchange, for example, they usually send 100 people at the same time. So maybe the transaction will be bigger because of that. Or if it's a multi-sig transaction, let's say we have a three or four multi-sig, then you have to add three signatures to the transactions. And signature data is very expensive so that will make the transaction larger
0: and that's why we talk about uh the weight of the block right yeah right okay all right lauren well do you have any other other questions other than this <laughs> that you wanted to ask simon about today what about your favorite Question. Yeah, I was thinking of it. I was yeah.
1: thinking of asking that question. Well, why
0: not? It's a good question.
1: I ask it all the time. Yeah,
0: I ask. I ask the same question on every podcast at least once.
1: So go on. Far away. What's your favorite thing about Bitcoin? Oh, does it have to be one specific thing? I, I think uh, it is that you can uh, ho- uh, own your own, hold your own money. So that uh, it's just like having, if you have cash in your wallet, it's like you're actually owning the cash. Nobody can just freeze it. And Bitcoin is, instead of having money in the bank and you don't really trust the bank or exchanges that just can get shut down randomly that we have saw uh, seen multiple times. So with Bitcoin, it's just like having the money in your wallet, but you have it in, on a Bitcoin wallet instead. So you know that you actually own it, control it. I think that's it. Mm. Because that right. has so many other, uh, uh, yeah, implications. So yeah, that's why it's a
0: difficult question to ask. And so well, thank you yeah. for asking. And say so good. Yep. Thank you. All right, mate. So should we get into the left to right, right to left argument straight away?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I was say I was about to ask you like when I said the mempool is on the left, but it depends on your setting now. Because you have the tiny arrows where you can actually flip the direction. So
0: no, can you? Fl- I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> oh no way! Where can I do that? It's a
1: it's a recent feature since just a couple of weeks ago. So
0: I see it now, mate. I almost
1: don't want to touch it. That's weird. All right, hang on. I'm going for it. Yeah, that actually makes more sense. Mhm. You can try it for a while and see if you get used to it.
0: <laughs> so for, for anybody listening that doesn't know what we're talking about um the the original site the website um mempool.space the way it was set up the the completed blocks were on the right hand side and the mempool the, the blocks waiting to join the chain were on the left hand side and it would scroll that way like the opposite way to which we read and so why was it designed in in that way in the first place
1: yeah many people ask me and i i've answered it many times especially on twitter and it's i think it was a bit random just when i made it first but uh i think there are a few uh user experience reasons like for example when you look at the website you scan your eyes from the top left and then down like when you look at the website immediately and mem the mempool is basically the focus of the website you want to see you look at the block and you want to see what's the fees right now on the mempool blocks for example so that's like when you naturally put your eyes and now even that that the more um clear transaction fees you just see it right below so it's matching the mempool side on the left now as well but mm. um but yeah many people have said it's uh it's wrong like the direction so now we added a way to, to flip so we can have we can please those people. So wait, now you've said that I've never noticed this before, but like I've just been clicking around
0: opening different websites. And yeah, you're right. Naturally, your eyes go to top left and that. That's weird, but well, I guess naturally our eyes would go to the top left of a page uh, of a book.
1: Yeah, and I feel like the past blocks that happened an hour ago or something is not really relevant. The, what's relevant is the mempool. So the the hmm. past block can yet disappear to the right. I mean, that's just my preference and many others' preference. And uh, but you have guys like RGG, dear Gigi who really wanted to have the opposite way. And uh, yeah,
0: dear <laughs> yeah, Gigi. Yeah, I've never heard of that guy. I don't we'll know. see. So. I wouldn't worry, you know, you you do you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, before we um yeah, we have we, we've, we've jumped straight into to mempool here. Um so if anybody has not seen it, uh please go and check it out. Mempool.space. It's the um I love using a snapshot of mempool.space when something like what has happened this week at time of recording, FTX has fallen over, like the Bitcoin maximalists have been telling everybody. Never use a shitcoin casino, always self custody and Sam Bankman freed was clearly, clearly a scammer all the way through. Uh, but it's, it's gone bankrupt, it's caused absolute chaos in the market. I always like to take a snapshot of mempool.space of the blockchain and just tweet that out with like the word like relax or chill or Bitcoin's not broken because that's what matters. It doesn't matter about the price. TikTok, next block.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, chugging along, chugging those uh, mempool transactions into blocks. All right. So, where did this all
0: start? <clears throat> let, let, let's take it back to find out a little bit more about yourself before Bitcoin and before mempool. Mm, sure. Where, where, you know, like what, what was going on in the early days? Where, where did you grow up and what were your. Uh, What was your exposure to, um, you know, the the world around you? What were your parents doing?
1: Um, I'm from a traditional working class family, I would say, in a small town in Sweden. So. um, And then I was uh, one of the first in family, because I'm the oldest son, that went to university and I, I did study some. Uh, graphic design and uh, web development and that stuff. Because I was always a computer geek that was always trying to learn as much as possible about what's happening online and developing developing and all that stuff. I was into a lot of stuff on the internet, all the cool technologies like uh, torrenting and all these peer-to-peer technologies. I was into a lot. I was coding. I was running my own torrent trackers, like all that stuff. What age was this? So... Um, must have been in uh, high school or something like that, yeah. So a shadowy supercoda from a very young age. Yeah, something like that. And uh, I was very into uh, alternative uh, information and stuff. So I, I remember very clearly when I watched like the documentary, or I don't know if you would call it documentary, but it was called Zeitgeist. And in multiple parts. Have you heard about that one?
0: Yeah. Yes. The the beginning yeah, it was incredible. one of the f-
1: Yeah, it was like when the that wasn't that much information out there, but that was one like big eye opener because it has a whole part, like part three, I think, that it just exposed the Federal Reserve and the Fiat monetary system and like tell showed how it all just a scam, basically, and how they're just printing money. And I was like this is like some secret information I'm sitting on right here. I never heard about this stuff and nobody I talked to ever heard about this. So I think from then on, I got into more uh some alternative uh, stuff like that. And I came into Austrian e- economics as well, because I think Peter Schiff was into what was in a lot of these uh, kind of documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one called... uh um, the next financial crisis or something. And I know that uh, Peter Schiff was talking a lot. So I was following him a lot, watching his lectures on YouTube. And he had long lectures about how the financial crisis was orchestrated and you could explain it using Austrian economics. And it made so much sense. So I listened to this guy a lot, um, became like a semi gold bug. And uh, also I took his advice on Bitcoin <laughs> because i went, when i heard a little bit about bitcoin from a friend who told me you ha- you got to research this thing like bitcoin you have to use it i'm this guy was it, it was in 2013 and he told me like i have all my money in bitcoin i'm not going to touch fiat currency so um and i was like what this, this is just some kind of internet coin I, I i don't that's just a scam or something and then i was listening to peter schiff and he said bitcoin is crap it's not and i was like okay i took his authority and i was like okay Peter Schiff says it's bad. Of course, he knows what he's talking about. So I, that's why I think I've rejected Bitcoin for a few more years.
0: Damn. Because
1: of him. Damn, Peter. <laughs> he's done so yeah. much. And then, uh, and then I went to... I traveled to Stockholm to attend a conference um, arranged by the Swedish Mises Institute. So it's an Austrian economic... Uh, conference basically and there was one talk about bitcoin by pontus Linblom. if you heard about him i just met it's him a, a good it, it, it's a good friend of mine and yeah, he I... had a talk there called and he explained why bitcoin is the best money compared it to gold compared to fiat and i'm like hmm maybe this bitcoin thing maybe i should look into it some more so that was 16 and um, and I so I, I try I like I put in my tools there and it's like okay I'm gonna buy some Bitcoin and actually hold it this time and see what's happening, what's gonna happen. So so but then I forgot about it for a while and I was doing other stuff. I was I was trading stocks, I think, like doing stocks investment and stuff with my money. And uh, and then I started to research the whole digital nomad movement in 2017. And then I, so I was very inspired by the digital nomad movement. And then in late, I think it was seven, late 2016, I went to Thailand to Chiang Mai that you're probably very well aware of and just to check out the digital nomad community because I heard that that is the hotspot, right? So I was, I went there to check it out, how, how it would be to live there, check out the co-working space. And I see people sitting with their laptops in the tropics and like, wow. And then I flew back to Sweden it was probably minus 20, super dark, super cold. And I went back to the office. I'm like, crap, this is not the life I want to live. I want to go back to Thailand. Why, why am I sitting here? So I took the decision there to just, okay, I'm just going to sell everything I own and just get out of here and become a just a nomad and see how it goes.
0: What led you down that rabbit hole?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was a combination of the, the political path that I have been have been taking because I've realized that the whole system we live in is a scam, especially in Sweden, because in Sweden you're going through this path like the government is putting out for you. They're taking care of you, quotes in oh, all aspects. Safety. And I was exactly and I, I realized like everything is a lie and everything is 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 weird. So so I felt like I have to like get a taste of actual freedom. Like I want to be able to earn my money, keep my money, and take care of my own safety net and uh, see how it goes and just find more freedom. I think I think it was something like that. and of course i I don't like cold weather that much. Mm-hmm. I don't want I don't like uh... yeah, so that combination just led me to uh, let's go somewhere and see how it goes and um you were so i've saved up some money were you following any blogs or did you read any books or any resources that you were using um i think i mostly watch some youtube like some youtube nomad influencers or something like that mm-hmm. i think that's it and um yeah so it was like a journey like i'm i'm going to i'm going to spend some more time researching bitcoin for example because back in sweden i had a day job day job and you maybe no it is. like i sit at the computer i do a lot of I was working as a developer. So I was coding all day long. And then I came back home and I'm just, my mind is just already <laughs> worn out for the day. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm just in the sofa or, or watch some shows or something because I don't yeah. have any other energy to do other stuff. So that's why I don't think I had any time to like sit and research Bitcoin for hours a day. Like I <laughs> was able to do after because what I did, so I, I knew some people who, some some Swedish friends who, who lived in Malta and Malta was this um, tax haven in, in Europe because they don't tax Bitcoin. So that was like a big bonus. Okay. They don't tax Bitcoin. It's, they have 300 days of sun every day. Like, okay, that's perfect. And I have some friends there and it's just, I think I paid $30 or 30 euros for the one way Ryanair flight ticket there. So I went there and I was like, wow, that was so easy. I was expecting this to be hard. Like, no, it, it's not. Just buy a flight ticket and go. And that, that's what I tell people when they, they're like, oh, should I should I move abroad or is it difficult? Oh, just buy the flight ticket and go. It's, it's super cheap, super easy. But anyway, and then I had a lot of, uh, I was spending uh, almost a half year there. I got a resident, uh, I got resident there and uh, I spent all my, all my days researching Bitcoin, I think. As soon as I uh, got there, And I started to go to Bitcoin meetups and stuff. So I got very inspired uh, and I started to learn and understand Bitcoin for real. And then I also had time because I didn't get a new job. So I had time to go to conferences as well. So the first conference me and my friend went to was uh, the Hackers' Congress in Prague, which is still one of my favorite uh, conferences. You go there and this black building called Parallel Polis, which which means parallel society you can only pay with Bitcoin. So you have to pay with Bitcoin. And so that was a super cool experience. And uh, it was around that time I got the the idea to create Mempool um, because I I wanted to create something. Like I want to do something in Bitcoin. It makes you like, I want to work with Bitcoin. I can use my, my programming and web development skills to do something. So it was while I was in Prague, I think um, uh, the next year, twenty eighteen, that I uh, I saw this price graph on the wall inside the, the Hackers Congress, a Bitcoin cafe. They have a price graph there everywhere. I went there this summer and I saw it again. Like I went to the Bitcoin cafe and they have a huge price graph. I'm like, damn, that's where you should show the Bitcoin blockchain, the blocks chugging in. Why, like the price is not that relevant, right? You mm-hmm. want to show the Bitcoin network alive. What's the price right now? What's the mempool? Is it full? So, I think that that specific moment inspired me to create the mempool website, and that's why there's a TV view as well on the mempool website. If you, it's hidden now, but if you go to the graph tab and then you see like a TV button there, so you can click on that one, then you get like a full screen uh, mempool view. And that is specifically made for put it on a TV. Yeah, Yeah, I love it. And there are a lot of people that are telling me that they have always they always have Mempool running on their like third monitor or something or on the wall. So it's pretty cool. So,
0: what was the day job? What were you doing? What was fiat life before
1: you threw it all away? So. uh, so I was uh, doing various um, web development stuff. So I was actually the, the last job I had was actually a point of sale system. Uh-huh. So it's okay. it's a little bit related to payments. So I saw the world of uh, payment terminals and um, point of sale systems. So it was basically a system you can put on on an, like an app on an iPad, and that cashier can just choose the products and yeah and then you swipe the card and then you get a payment and it's all synced to the cloud it's like a cloud solution so that was my job yeah just nine to five grinding it out yeah
0: coding away yeah. christmas yeah, office I, party
1: I, yeah exactly
0: <laughs>
1: oh yeah, and I know. So, 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 sorry, so,
0: listeners, if you're still stuck in that grind, but you, if you if yeah, doing... I,
1: I I mean, I wanted to talk to you about this because you know, I I got your I got your book right uh, mm-hmm. in Riga, and I hadn't heard of that book before, but you signed it for me, and uh, it's a quite quick read. So I, I I think I read almost half, like just on a flight back, and then I finished it uh, a couple of days ago, and so uh, yeah, it's very. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the book was very interesting because it for me, it was mostly relatable because i mm-hmm. gone through a lot of the experience I do went through. So it was like, I was just on a smile on my face because like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So relatable, like everything when it comes to the whole breaking free from the system and like become independent and become free and choosing life. Because uh when I when I think back on my previous life before I I moved away from Sweden, it was like it was uh, nine to five, like you said, and the years just went by, just went by, and I was just working and saving, and it feels like I had I didn't have any have any real goal. I, I was just saving for I don't know what I'm saving for. Like why am I even working? And because the days are so similar, the the months and weeks and and years they just flew by flew by so quickly. But from the day I, I left Sweden and decided to start a new journey, I started living just like you describe in the book. And it's like being completely different since then. And, you know, it's, it was like almost six years ago now. And I've been like living um, without a permanent home for five years i've been just been living around in different countries and going mostly back between different countries in europe and southeast asia It's mostly where i've been hanging around but it's just been back and forth just avoiding the cold weather and going to conferences meeting new people from all over the world so many new experiences it's like and all this also makes time slow down because C- when i'm so I, I came to Dubai, for example, a year ago. So it was exact, almost exactly a year ago. And it feels to me, like in my mind, it feels like three years ago because all the experience I've gotten the past year and all the new people I met and, and all the new friends I met and also all the, I've been doing some smaller uh, travels to different places. I went to like to Riga, to Prague, and to I, I did a whole trip through the old Scandinavian countries this summer. And uh, yeah, all this makes... It feels like it's created a lot of memories, making the impression like the, uh, what do you call, like uh, the illusion of that a lot of time has passed and you've filled your life with a lot of valuable stuff. Something that that I never felt when I was uh, just staying in my comfort zone back home and was just working. It's a completely different life.
0: Most people listening are going to be thinking, well, that's great. Um, maybe you're single I don't know uh, married kids what what what's your situation
1: uh yeah I'm actually married
0: right okay uh a lot of people were thinking most likely I don't want to make assumptions but this is the the, the main question I got when when we made our decision and, and after we hadn't <laughs> gone bankrupt and living under a bridge after like six to nine months people become... Rather than accusatory, that like like of being an irresponsible parent and you know, throwing everything away, I'm like how are you actually making this work? Like this doesn't make sense. Mm. How are you not destitute? How have you not ended up coming back begging for your job back? And like what what like what's actually going on? How do you make money? Like, what does a day look like? How are you schooling the kids? And you you, you explain it, but it's almost as if you are just talking directly to a brick wall because they might listen to the first sentence mm. and then switch off again, because it's sensory <laughs> overload almost like, no, don't tell me. it's Don't tell me it's possible. Don't tell me it's doable because I just know I can't do it. Or for some reason, something mm. is blocking them from do it from yeah. doing it. But one thing I found uh, and I've had same phenom- phenomenon that I've spoken to God, countless world schooling families or individuals, digital nomads, call them what you will is that they they found life became a lot simpler and a lot cheaper by living Mm -hmm. this this lifestyle that you know what what you just described sounds like some kind of high-flying jet setting amazing
1: unbelievable i I told people all the time that i'm i can't afford like i can't afford living back in sweden that's why i'm living in in thailand or wherever because Mm -hmm. it's half my expenses and double my life quality (laughs) so even with the flights and everything else right it's still cheaper now now the flight market has been all screwed up since the whole lockdown situation Mm. but before i think you remember before there were so many hacks to fly it was incredible i I could fly so incredibly cheap like for example there was this direct flight between stockholm and thailand by norwegian i don't even know if they even fly anymore yeah but if you fly in the low season like in I think I flew in October or something, and it was like 200 bucks. 12 hour yeah. flight, Stockholm, Thailand, and then you have, then in then you get close to December, and then you have all the people that get time off from their jobs because it's the Christmas holiday. Then everyone is gonna book the flight, and the prices are 10x. So my, even my parents, they they have also been going to Thailand a few times because they, they love Thailand, and but they only only get time off during Christmas holidays. Was my a teacher. Mm-hmm. So she was like, Simon, can you help us find such cheap flight that you do? Like, can you help us? Because our flights are also expensive. I'm saying, sorry, you're flying the wrong time. Yep. <laughs> because if you're flexible with time, you just pick the, the cheapest date all the time. So yeah.
0: Yeah, if you live in Normyland, you have to play no you have to pay, pay Normyland prices, play by the normie land rules, right? Uh, it's yeah, once yeah. you it's only once you step out. And um, like you said, it feels to most people like it's a risk what what are you risking, really? It's programmed into you through the education system that by stepping out of line, you will get yeah. pulled back straight back into
1: line very, very quickly. I mean, for me, it was the best thing that happened to me in life uh, both for as uh, with been the come to experiences and and new friends and all that, but also financially because if I didn't quit my job and just took time, I wouldn't have studied Bitcoin and get mm-hmm. confidence in, in Bitcoin. And I wouldn't have time to make all my own personal projects like the mempool.space Space Project, which is now taking off as a real company. So all right, we have let's talk about now. that.
0: So so right up until yeah, sure. now it's just been you dabbling around.
1: You wanted to give some kind of conversation. Yeah, sure. I mean, for the first few years, I mean with so Wiz joined the project like a half year after the project was launched. So here's all the potential in the site. Uh, with at uh, WISC on Twitter. So, so here's the wizard that runs the servers, mm-hmm. and he's this uh, operational guy. So he joined the project and uh, he wanted to help out. And I don't have any server knowledge. I I can just write the website. So. And so we were developing the website and he has a lot, of, he has a more entrepreneur spirit than me, I would say, because he had a lot of crazy ideas. Like we should do this, we should add this and redesign this. And every time I was a bit skeptical, but most of the time it worked out. For example, so so we we used our own time and, and, and money out of our own pockets to, to just build out the site from 2018 until twenty. 20 mid 2020 or something, that's mm-hmm. when the mempool the bull market started kicking and mempool started to become full. So the, the site started to get a lot of traction. And we had this idea of we, we should start getting uh, community sponsors. So we create a sponsor page where the community can help fund the project. And I, I said it was that's a bad idea. Nobody's gonna sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's gonna work out. They pay 1 million sats and they get the profile photo on the website, on, on the about page. And yeah, lo and behold, it was like I don't know how many, but probably hundred people became sponsors. I and then we applied now. for it, uh... some open source grants. And uh, like, okay, are we gonna get them grants? And it turned out we got sent grants to all the all the companies that give grants to open source com- uh, open source projects. Turns out we got like three grants just out of that application we, we sent out. Because so many people say that they, 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 they like the project and they want to support the project. And there is money out there to fund good Bitcoin projects. If you are an open source developer and you create good software, there is money out there to get grants. So I was very humbled and very surprised that it was possible. So so the, so the we got grants so we could uh, finance this all the servers. So now we have... Uh, we're gonna have three sites now across the world. We have one in US, one in Europe, and one in Japan to spread yeah. the load. So we, we own our own servers, host our own infrastructure, and we all even have our own ISP to be like as self-hosted as you possibly can be. So we don't have any trusted third parties like Amazon Cloud or all this kind of stuff. So we run our own Lightning nodes, for example, and, and uh, yeah, so, so that kept us going through 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we also, so we were able to pay people. So we we are, I think we are full, four or five full-time guys now. Yeah, I think it's four. So it's okay. me and Wiz, and then we have two additional developers. And then we have a QA engineer, and we have a designer. Like, we have people that do part-time stuff because it's a huge project, we're maintaining like distros for various Raspberry Pi uh, distributions, like the Umbral, which is a Docker installation. And I'm I'm not familiar with Docker, so we have a QA guy that does the whole Docker build stuff. So yeah, we're a full team now. So we're part of, uh, and this year we, we took in some funding and joined the 1031 uh, fund. Well done. As well, so yeah. So, we are con- we are continuing. We- we're going to continue being an open source project, free free for everyone, and distributed on all these devices. But we're going to pursue a like an enterprise model where enterprises can uh, pay for custom features and custom integrations, custom design, and rate uh, better rate limitation and things like that.
0: Is Jack a community sponsor? Oh yeah, he is. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah I, I mean really that's <laughs> it's I, crazy I, just we, we got through. a lot of uh, these sponsors and love from the community I, I i can't believe it really but that's uh how it turned out
0: mate that's amazing i've just seen his picture there it's like he, he i mean that's awesome uh yeah you've mm. got some um some good ones up there have you have you considered listing on geyser I'm not
1: sure. Uh so yeah if you just go to geyser.fund, G E Y S E R. Yeah I don't think we I think I checked that site out. I haven't uh, considered it. I don't think it's needed. Right. I mean we were we were looking for maybe have some funding but if there's some funding it has to be like a a bitcoin company that really understands a bitcoin style uh, business model and uh low time preference and i think that's what we found so i don't want to have vcs breathing down my neck saying you have to put ads on the on the start page or something like that i mean no, that's not gonna happen that's gonna ruin yeah. the project so we have to find something that works that actually give value uh to people well so guys what, is what just we are um, exploring
0: guys is just where you'd list the project and um maybe some players mm-hmm. might throw in you
1: you 10 bucks there's no strings attached it's just to show oh, support. i see yeah i see yeah so we 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 like we locked in like the community sponsor Mm -hmm. program we had on the on the about page so that if you if you if you're a sponsor if you sponsored before your face is going to be on the about page now but it's not open for new people so for now on it's it's only enterprise sponsors what's what's the
0: plan for the next five years Where can you
1: take this? I
0: mean, I for me, it's already perfect. You you guys obviously have lots of ideas.
1: (laughs) A lot of people tell me, like, "What are you? It's done now. So, (laughs) what can you possibly work on? Like, why do you have people working on it's done?" Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's it's a. I mean, software is never done, and uh, I I see we keep just adding new stuff. I couldn't. uh, uh, I couldn't imagine like a, a half year ago or something like the whole visualization thing when you click on a block if you click on a mempool block like the the, the next block you see all these crazy animation that visualize the whole block for example we didn't have that a while ago it was all because of a co- collaboration with uh, mononaut the guy who made a website called Live. so he basically mm-hmm. integrated that technology into mempool space and uh um, so that was a huge addition. And now we just released uh, what we announced in Riga this summer is what we announced the Lightning Explorer integration. So so we just started the Lightning journey, basically. I think there's lots of lots of stuff to be done on Lightning. And we have a lot of stuff in the pipeline for the Lightning Explorer. Um, obviously, right now you can you visualize the Lightning network. You can see the world map. You can look up your node channels Uh, basic things like that but we want to people want to see which node should i connect to for example which which um, do more analytics what's happening with the liquidity how they're moved between uh, nodes and stuff like this so so i I think lightning is going to be really big because people are going to move from on-chain to lightning and it's going to be more and more people like Let's say in five, ten years from now, I think there's gonna be so many people that are operating lightning nodes all around the world. Like every if it's a small business or a big business, they run they might have to run their own lightning infrastructure and they have to have a tool to visualize to analyze the network connectivity, where you should connect to and things like this. So I can see a lot of opportunity and a lot of lot of stuff to be done that we can innovate in in this space what do you think
0: i think you're right i think there's um gonna be i mean as r- right now i believe bitcoin is still a store of value primarily we will move yeah. to a medium of exchange um, many of us maximalists are, are using it already we want to buy the coffees with it we want to take our friends out for lunch buy beers you know we actually do want to use it as a medium of exchange but it's still very very difficult to find those merchants and people willing to accept Mm. it but that will change we know that and when we do move to a medium of exchange lightning network's going to be where it's at no doubt Mm.
1: no doubt but i think it doesn't have to be about medium exchange even it could just be about lightning integrated in all the services you can see online so you can instantly transfer funds between different uh providers like let's say you go to an exchange you buy some bitcoin you instantly send it to like a trading site like the next second you put on some leverage trading you you make some profit and then you instantly deposit it to your wallet and you have it self custodial and all that within just a few seconds so i think that's that will We we're not there yet that there's a lot of infrastructure that's lacking and I think that's one what needs to be built out first before people start paying for coffee. I think that's will come much later, but just this whole infrastructure that you seamlessly use lightning without even knowing about it because your wallet will be an on-chain and lightning integrated wallet, like a, a hybrid wallet and you don't even know about it. So, to make, it will reduce the fees. It will make the user experience more seamless and and, and fast. So anyone that operates uh, Lightning nodes would need these kind of tools to 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 visualize the network, what's the status of the network, I think. So it not doesn't necessarily have to be the, the guy that pays something with coffee. They don't care about the blockchain. They don't care about the Lightning nodes, right? So it's gonna be more about the operators. Hmm.
0: Yeah. What? what <laughs> we've all got different views on this. What's yeah. your timeline on that?
1: What? What? What do you think? You know, gradually, then suddenly, we all agree. I. Uh, you mean that? You mean just using lightning in a more hybrid way? Yeah, and um, I mean it's the, already happening. Be... Like the, the the
0: more, I guess it'll be merchant adoption probably. Mm-hmm that would really start pushing this
1: i mean i'm i'm not the medium of exchange guy i think it's gonna i think it's very far out i think medium of exchange is just for someone that's been in bitcoin for a long time and they want to spend their bitcoin because maybe they have only bitcoin or they work for a company that pay them only bitcoin so that's why you naturally need to spend your bitcoin somehow so that's why it's better to use I convenient to use a service like Bitrefill, for example. But uh, um, I don't think it's really required that we see. I mean, it's it's going to happen that some store shops and restaurants, and I've seen it around. You, you've seen it too, like around the world. There's some places that accept Bitcoin. But I don't, I don't, it's just part of the, the whole um, adoption cycle. What do you see? Not cycle, but. Uh, it's going to happen gradually. And uh, we just have to wait for it to happen naturally that people actually want to accept Bitcoin. So if they actually want to accept Bitcoin, they should, you should not be the Roger Biori guy that push your local restaurant to accept Bitcoin if they don't want it. Because I think I read on Twitter today, I saw, oh no, now uh some bar, was it subway in, in Berlin, in Germany that accepts lightning apparently. So that sounds good. And, um, I don't think it's because you had some guy that went in to pester them every week. I think it was because the time has come, right? The time has come. The infrastructure is there. You have a point-of-sale device that can exit lightning conveniently. And more people are talking about it. More people know about it. So it's like a network effect thing. It's just going to happen slowly but naturally. But I think the store of value proposition, that's like, and the speculative thing, that's what we're going to be stuck in for at least 10 years more before you can talk about medium of exchange. But uh, meanwhile, we're building all this infrastructure to handle what's to come. Lightning doesn't really scale that well today. It's very tricky in most wallets to open channels and stuff. But you have uh, these uh, hybrid wallets coming out, like the Moon Wallet, like the Phoenix Wallet, that you don't even have to care about. Is it on-chain or is it Lightning? Because it can pay and scan any QR code. It will just swap for you in the background when when it's the other one or the other and you don't have to think about it it's the same when you deposit money to one of these wallets and I think the the new wallet by John Cavallo is going to be similar so so yeah I think we're moving to a what a future maybe like when the next bull run comes and people ask you about Bitcoin you can show them a wallet that just does all this automatically. And what I hope to see also is like a unified QR code on on all the websites and deposits when you're going to send Bitcoin somewhere. You you, you see like a lightning invoice with a backup on-chain address built into it basically. So when someone is just scanning it, it just takes the convenient path. If it's lightning, if it works, if it can find a route, it will use lightning. If it's not, it will use on-chain and all just automatically. So I hope we have that infrastructure ready in a few years when uh, we get the next adoption cycle of uh, like a new wave of new people coming in. But meanwhile, we're going to have to build out more the the lightning infrastructure more like the node software has to be more stable. They don't, they shouldn't crash when someone posts a transaction that's faulty. They uh, should be more automatic in how you handle liquidity. It should be easier. Yeah. So we are still building these tools and, the security and yeah it's faced a little bit of a challenge uh, in the last few weeks yeah that's what you have when it's like beta alpha software and reckless stuff but yeah i mean slowly you're figuring out figuring it out and uh, it's going to be stable eventually Mm -hmm. because the core i mean the core design is just solid with how lighting works but then the clients and all, all this infrastructure have to uh, get more into an to a standard level that it's actually serious for serious money as well, for finance.
0: So you've mentioned the conferences that you've been uh, going to. What have been your key takeaways from from
1: going to these events? I mean, when you're when you are at the conference the first time, it's always the most exciting because you you suddenly meet people that are like you and also likes Bitcoin and all right so you don't have to feel uh you can actually feel normal for for a few days and, and it's all exciting <laughs> also you you mean all all your people that you may been following on Twitter you've been listening to them in podcasts and suddenly you see all these people in person so I think the first couple of times is is more this Star event but um I've been to a lot of conferences the past, Few years and now recently the Riga one was great I think because it was the first one in a long time and then just just seeing all the people and all the positive vibe and I was there for, for for it was going on for like three or four days and I think I never heard someone mentioning the price at any kind of way during the, those conference week everyone is so positive about Bitcoin everyone is building various stuff on Bitcoin. So you can feel this uh, community and how the, the space is growing. There's so many new people that just came in the past year or something. So you can see how it's growing organically. I think that's my takeaway from the last conference. Yeah, it, there's
0: nothing else quite like it. Hanging around. Like, you, I think you nailed it. You don't feel like the freak show anymore. You're You're surrounded by people that see what you see understand what you understand. And and quite frankly, you learn so much as well because you meet so many new people and they take you off in completely different directions with your thought, just by having like one beer with them or a coffee or a meal, whatever it is. You go to bed, your head is spinning. You're up the next day. You're surrounded by the same people again. You guys had the booth there, right? In Riga. That must've been cool. You must've had so many people coming up to you and telling you how much they loved Mempool. (laughs)
1: yeah it was awesome like you just get drenched by people just coming one one after another say i i love mempool i use it every day and and like oh i'm a sponsor or i i did this so i we met people like that did various stuff oh i did the translation for uh for the persian translation like oh nice like met all the in the people that we integrate with and so for us it was amazing, just the connections. But I mean, go- going back when I went to the first co- first few conferences, like I'm t- completely new in Bitcoin, and I see all these people are working. Like, wow, you're like dreaming. Like, wow, what if I like, I one day can work in Bitcoin or build on Bitcoin? And now I'm the guy having a booth at this Bitcoin conference, and everyone <sighs> comes up to me, and I had some some guys who were like looking at me like, wow, so you actually work in Bitcoin and. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I guess I do. And now it's almost taking it for granted because I've been basically working for Bitcoin or in Bitcoin now for a few years now. So now it's becoming a, like, it's just becoming the life as it is. So what would you say to the players <laughs> that
0: listen to this? I've done a few shows like it where I had Bitcoin Q and A on actually after he finally escaped his fiat job and managed to get himself a job at a Foundation, which is a perfect uh-huh. fit for him. But up until that point, he was like any pleb out there. He was working his nine to five. He was listening to pods whenever he could. He was reading books, articles on the sly whenever he could. But he's got a family life going on as well. It's very, very difficult. And you just have this dream of escaping the drudgery. I don't Mm. want to work here anymore. I want to do something in Bitcoin. I want to find a Bitcoin company. I always tell plebs, make sure you're following Bitcoiner Jobs on Twitter. So please follow that anyone listening put notifications on uh, you will you'll be shocked at the different array of positions that they're looking for it's not all software developers and you know front end back end devs whatever uh, there's all kinds of jobs but what would you say you've you've done this before you've quit your job you've gone off traveling you've lived a digital nomad life then you've managed to fit yourself in somehow to the ecosystem and yeah. you've excelled at doing that what What's your message?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it, for me, it was the best thing I've done. Just uh, there's nothing to be feared because uh, things usually work out mm-hmm. the way you don't really realize. And um, when it comes to like working in Bitcoin, like you said, there's so many things to do like like i said we have we have a designer we have a qa guy quality guy we have a, a copywriter guy who's just writing text like i mean if you really if you are passionate about something like if you're passionate about bitcoin there are so many projects out there you may you you could you can find a project let's say like mempool like bc pay server this open source project you can just join maybe i Maybe I can update this readme text. Maybe I can make a guide. How do you install it? Maybe I can make an, a guide in my language and, or translate it. Like doing this stuff and you would be amazed that people will offer you stuff immediately. Like, hey, you want to you wanna do this? You want to do this? Do you want to get paid? I mean, there's a lot of money now in in this space. There's a lot of money in these projects. Pay server has a lot of money. But, um, you know, I was actually, I was working a little bit for BISC because we we have like a BISC integration as well in Mempool. And uh, BISC is this peer-to-peer exchange, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, BISC has some kind of token model where trading fees on the platform actually goes to the funding and pumping the token. So whenever you contribute to the BISC project, you can get tokens in in payment and earn money. But even though there's a big pot of money, and there's a lot of various stuff to be done in the project. They have a hard time finding people that want to join. Like that's that's super weird to me. Like why aren't there people out there that is stuck in a fiat job or want to work for Bitcoin? They can just they can just join this project, start to read up how it works, and start to contribute in any way that they are uh, they can do. Like like I said, design, copywriting translation, like all this stuff is possible. It's open to doing anyone. Anyone can do it, but there aren't people aren't doing it. Like, so what do you think is the disconnection there? So that was just a surprise to me to find because you would think that there's no money. There's no one's hiring there's like there's nothing. And people are just saying, no, no, nobody wants me. I'm nobody needs my skills or something like that. But in mm-hmm. fact, it's the opposite. They're just waiting for you to come. Mm hmm. That, fear, that is mate. actually my my actual experience. It's fear.
0: It's fear. It's fear that kept me in my seat for as long as it did until I just got sick of it and, and had to leave. And that's before I even found Bitcoin. Uh, but it's, it's definitely fear. And for most people, I guess, uh, especially those, yeah, for those that are married, uh, you know, supporting a family as well. To walk away from a nine to five salary paying job, to walk away from your network, your social standing and of course you've got mm. the sunk cost fallacy which is hanging over your head because maybe you're into 12, 13 years into a career and then you've got the carrot and stick approach where you've got that the next promotion is just three quarters away. <laughs> if I can make I my mean, KPIs or I've just had a good first quarter so I can nail it this year. Then I'll then I'll retire. Then I'll then I'll go on work in Bitcoin.
1: It's mm, a battle. Well can't you just take a sabbatical or something and decide that you should give it a try or something? Because you have to put in initial investment, I think, to read up what, about how it how it works and and how to get into it. You can't just take a take an hour at the, at the evening at the end of the week or something. It's it's gonna be hard, I think.
0: Sabbatical so, is a great
1: way. Very few people, very yeah. few bosses
0: can turn down a sabbatical, right?
1: Hmm i mean but but you also need the you also need some kind of self discipline and some um enthusiasm about bitcoin if you don't if you don't have that skill or that uh, if you if you're not able to to focus or concentrate or have the passion actual passion for bitcoin then you're not going to be able to do something maybe you just want the money or something then it's not going to nothing's going to happen When I created MemPool, it's just I, it's a free open source project. I didn't want any money. I I I just had a passion for Bitcoin, right? And then it just turned out to be something that people liked, and then it can be turned into something bigger. And I had other projects as well. I have like two, three projects. Like most of them that failed, that you don't even know about. But what 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 were they? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have some that I'm embarrassed about, and I have some that. Uh, I can tell you about. It. Come but, on, uh, we want the embarrassing ones. All right, all right, okay. So, back in 17, right when I started uh, Mempool, I don't know if it was the second or third project or something, but I, I, I made a project called Token Stats that ranked ICO tokens by their performance.
0: <laughs> I love it. A and when I did this site, too.
1: <laughs> I, did, I didn't know that ICOs were a scam. I thought it was a great way to uh, crowdfund decentralized projects. I mean, the idea sounds very appealing. Mm-hmm. But then as time went by, the months went by, I, I found out, oh my God, it's just a pump and dump scams. So I, I kept the site running for a few months into 2018. And then I just shut it down because the ICOs were all down. 99% so like what was the point anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> so that site is long gone now and uh, then I made tried to learn a about lightning so I made a website where you can post articles and pay with lightning to unlock articles and earn lightning so it was basically a copy of all the existing projects but I tried to make it in a more beautiful way so it looked a little bit like medium.com like in design wise Mm-hmm. But the base model was the, the site made by Alex Bosworth. Do you know the name of that one? I do. It's like it, I forgot the name, but it's very blocky and ugly. It's very technical. Like it, you can see it's made by a techie guy. So you can post articles and you can earn sats, right? So I basically took that idea into like a medium and made it beautiful. And I ran that for a while, but then I just it didn't have much users, so I just shut it down. It didn't have traction. Sounds so, a bit like but Steam, it was most
0: right. Uh, from back in the day. St- yeah. do you remember that one?
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I know Steam. Dan Larrimer, but that wasn't was it. Uh, that was like also shitcoin project. were like, yeah, yeah, Dan Laramie the, the serial serial scammer. Oh, <laughs> okay.
0: I. All right. Whilst we're on, whilst we're it's whilst funny. we're repenting our sins here, yeah. I actually I think- wrote. I wrote something and posted it on Steam. It. Okay. When, it would have been back in sixteen or seventeen, right? Um. Because like the idea of that was you post articles and then if it gets read, you earn steam and then you can exchange steam for this like, ah, oh.
1: it's like a polynomial scheme because they just print a token out of thin air and then they hope yep. people speculate in that token. So it's mm-hmm. not even a working model. It's just really bad. There's but one, I mean, a... one
0: still exists today called Carrot. Have you seen that?
1: No, I don't think so. But a site that's really good right now that's growing is the News website. You've probably seen that one, right? So it looks like Reddit, but mm-hmm. instead it's Lightning fully Lightning integrated. So I like I really like that kind of website that we can um, create uh, parallel websites that are similar to the ones we already have, but it's more Lightning native integrated. Just like the Lightning podcast app, uh, podcast apps. Uh, so that's stacker, stacker news and also clones like the, I think the Nostra app that, you know, the, the, the decentralized version of Twitter, you would say, mm-hmm. they are also going to have like some kind of lightning integration easier.
0: Yeah. So the one I found I, I is Carrot, so. which is uh, run by BTC Inc. And you get paid sats to read articles.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: uh, I've not really looked into it that deeply. Uh, but I've got it downloaded. I've ha- I've read a few articles and you get like five or 10 sats per article that you read or something. So the incentive there is to read more and learn more about Bitcoin, which will obviously oh, help, okay. help adoption.
1: Oh, so um, they give you an economical sen- incentive to read about Bitcoin. Yeah. So that's the idea. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good one. People should check that out if they want. Uh, yeah, so come on. What, what else? What else did you? Uh,
1: I in think that's it. it. Like? I think that's it. I don't. It could have been some a few more that I forgot, and had some ideas in the pipeline. But now Mempool takes my full focus. So,
0: yeah. And I um I did appreciate you uh almost. I, I can't. I don't know whether I appreciated it or not. Where you underlined in my book the other day uh, and tweeted out where I'd um bared my sins about uh. Dabbling yeah. in Ethereum and Dash.
1: It was but... very funny when I was reading it first. Like, what? <laughs> Dash, who's this guy? <laughs> and that is like update 2020. Now I, I learn. Okay, okay. So then I forgive you. And then on the next page, you recommend Real Vision. I'm like, oh yeah. no. <laughs> so, I guess it's hard to recommend people in this space because you don't know when they're going to turn evil or not. Like one year, a guy can be this. Yeah, uh, influencer guy that everyone looks up to, mm-hmm. and then the next day or next year, he can be just hated by everyone because he did something weird.
0: Look what's <laughs> happened, yeah. Like, if you look at the last two years, I mean, Raul's a perfect example, uh, yeah. But in the mid 15, 16, 17, that when Real Vision launched, the macro guys they were having on there that that was incredible stuff that was like unparalleled mm. up until that point all you had was freaking jim kramer and Squawkbox and cnbc and power lunch and all of this stupid stuff minute and a half three minute long segments which they still do like they've still yeah. kept that model and they pull sailor on for three minutes like explain bitcoin to us He's like, okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've got three minutes to explain bitcoin Or go on a Mm. podcast for two and a half hours. What are you going to be more interested in watching? So Real Vision were brilliant at doing that in in those days. But then they went full retard after Grant left and and they just went down and just sold out to cheap VC money, basically, to push and pump and dump crypto scams, uh, which is a real shame. And then this year, of course, Udi went full on tard. Crypto trader. Yeah. It's a crypto trader now
1: bitcoin the uh uh bds right um yeah it's thing, uh right? it's interesting i've been following i've also been following this space now for five six years daily and following all this dramas happening and it's very fascinating uh all the the, the change of um like the, the whole culture of bitcoin and how some people go crazy and leave and um mm-hmm. uh, yeah and i like always wondering why like yeah. why it's happening and I think it's some kind of like if some kind of OG sickness that's after a while maybe it's money there's something that happens you get greedy and uh, you do some bad mistakes and, and then start people start hating you and then it's it's like a self-fulfilling prof- prophecy when people start hating you you, you just are hating back and then and then yeah. it's over
0: I mean, this year we've lost plan b nick carter uh, will clement Like, the is like <laughs> that they had a real good um not not a hundred percent a lot of people were like hmm but they were doing good work. They were putting out good research and they were talking a lot about and they were educating a lot of people about Bitcoin and then all of a sudden just like flipped on its head. It's like, man, it's random.
1: Yeah, I mean it's common among influencers. If you big up if you build up a huge influence, then you st- suddenly have a lot of money uh on, on stake if you Gonna shield that referral link or, or that project or something. So I think in the end, it's about money that uh, the degree that catches you in the end. And, and it's very uh, <clears throat> admirable of all the Bitcoiners that just can stay humble and stack stats for all these years because I also feel all the temptations. Like Sailor goes on uh, YouTube channels and, and tell you, like, what at at the price top basically he tells people you should just borrow on top of your Bitcoin and you can just live forever on Bitcoin you don't have to you, you just take loans against Bitcoin and people were just oh okay go straight to Celsius and collateralize their the Bitcoin for for more for more Bitcoin for I mean the the, the greed and all these influences um it's hard to resist. For a lot of people stay humble guys stay yeah. humble
0: don't leverage just stack them <laughs> as, as you know work hard work your fiat job as much as you can get that fiat in proof of work just
1: exchange it for bitcoin
0: getting creative yeah, i mean I, and... I feel
1: it like myself like you see if you see the bear market starting and you see the prices declining months after months after months for a mm-hmm. whole year and you're mm-hmm. sitting with your coins in your cold storage and you you're wondering like why am i still holding why am i not the smart guy that's just selling the fiat and enjoying some us dollar or something or stable coins or some defi yield on my stable coins instead i mean it's very it's very tempting i can really yeah you have to as a bitcoin holder you have to fight every day for yep. the stay humbleness for the stacks that's i mean it's really hard to stack when the price is crashing like crazy, when the price is pumping, you're you're very glad to stack more because it's just going up. So I mean, all you all have to fight with this emotion. So I think it affects everyone to some extent. And uh, some when people say that this all oh, this bear market this doesn't affect me at all, I'm like, really? That's mm-hmm. very weird. That's very, I can't believe it because I, I think it's. I mean, it at least it's affecting me to some extent. It's yeah. It's I wish I had some everyone. fear. <laughs>
0: It's yeah, I to buy the bit, me. but like, but unfortunately, I
1: bought the bit. Unfortunately, I bought the dip at fifty-five k or something. So <laughs> now I don't have a now I can't buy it at the fifteen. So what do you do?
0: <laughs> yeah, it it is an emotional roller coaster, that's for sure. Um, but that's something. I mean, once all of this dust settles, right? Especially like uh, these 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 bombs that get dropped on us with these FTX-style uh, massive, huge crashes. Hmm. Once the the cloud of dust clears, like you know, the first line of people that you see emerging out of all of that shit are just the hodlers. They're just the DCA yeah. army plebs. They're
1: like, yeah, and it's let's keep going. And it's funny that it's a little bit unexpected. Everyone thinks it's so unexpected, but for years, all the Bitcoiners has been calling out all these projects like that's a scam, that's a Ponzi, that's an obvious Ponzi. That is, and that is an error and, and you get a lot of response back, maybe say, oh, you' just toxic Maxi. But mm-hmm. when you actually, I've been very vocal on my Twitter, I call out all these schemes and try try to make it understandable to people like why this is just a VC pump and dump uh, coin? just don't don't bother with this one, then you you know that the dump is going to come, right? And you know that all this leverage, and you see, like I, what's called uh, FTX, they had this fund, Al- Alameda, Alameda fund, and mm-hmm. I went to the website before it got shut down, and I checked. Okay, what, what are these? What is this fund investing in? And it's all these crypto projects. Yep. And as a Bitcoiner, if you know Bitcoin, understand Bitcoin, and if you know Austrian Austrian economics, and you re- you know that all all bullshit, everything is gonna go to zero. Mm-hmm that they're investing in. And you have, so you have this crypto fund that they believe in blockchain. They believe in Web 3.0. They believe they they believe in this weird, uh, all these narratives that, that you as a Bitcoin know is just a scam. So you know it's all going to come crashing down and this fund is going to go bankrupt. And that is exactly what we have been seeing the past few months or this summer with the Three Arrows Capital Fund and all this stuff. So it's all just actually just happening as... Bitcoiners has been saying it's just that you didn't know how long it's gonna what are going to take, and we we have been saying it on about Ethereum as well. Ethereum has been here for so many years now since 2015. Bitcoiners has said it's just a it's just a long exit scam, and I think Bitcoiners is gonna be right on this one as well, but we, it's just gonna take a bit longer, and we might see it in a few years, and they are gonna be. Bitcoin is going to be right.
0: It's so captured as well, Ethereum. It's completely
1: captured. That, I mean, that the
0: whole proof of stake. <laughs> yeah, that's like... almost...
1: Uh, it's almost not funny anymore. I mean, before you could say that it's so centralized, but now you say, okay, it's it's already taken over by the government, basically. It's all, so it's all regulated. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, yeah, that's just my personal opinion. It, it's so regulated. It doesn't... If if a blockchain doesn't is not censorship persistent, that's the number one only reason you need a blockchain. So if you have a blockchain that's not censorship persistent, just use Amazon Cloud for right. your apps. You don't need this clunky blockchain. It's just used as a way to pump this token to enrich people. Like that's the only reason. If Enriched. they're not stupid, but probably not Enriched stupid. Enrich
0: the foundation, and the 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 founder and whoever else has <laughs> got their sticky little fingers in that pie.
1: Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I I followed the ICO market very closely in seventeen, and I I also invested in some ICOs when I thought it was they weren't scams. I found out later that they were all scams, but it was just founders that took the money and ran away, and then they gave you a worthless token in return. But and then it's been all the same again. We just uh, rebranded into DeFi. There's been a lot of DeFi projects that's also the same scheme. And then you'd have more advanced versions like oh, the Hex coin, like the Richard Hart saying, oh, it's uh, just buy my token, send me all your money and I will give you this token. And this token is much better than all the other ERC-20 tokens for some reason. <laughs> it's it's all just the marketing. So it's all just ERC-20 tokens. <laughs> it's mental. <laughs> yeah. Our I mean, mental... I can talk a lot about the the the, the crap in this space, but... Yeah. It, in in some some way, it's really good to see it's all being flushed out, and we can just start, uh, from a new, start afresh, in a more sound foundation. And hopefully, we haven't attracted a lot of regulators that's going to come in and regulate the crap out of everything, so that even Bitcoin gets hurt because of it, just dragging Bitcoin down the the. Mm-hmm. The mud, basically, which is really sad to see. If everyone was just humble stacking stats and use Bitcoin, we would not not see these huge pump and dumps in the markets. We wouldn't have seen people losing money. Like if everyone, but unfortunately, people are people, so you can't tell what people is gonna do. So people love, are greedy, and the whole I love this idea of of regulation.
0: It's like okay, well, there's nothing more regulated than Bitcoin. You know, like having a having a regulator, right? Okay, what we got to do? We got we we got to make sure no one can control how many coins. Yeah, yeah, we did that. Like guys, we've done that. That's done. We that's been done since 2009. Right? Well, okay, and what we've yeah. got to do? We've, we've got to make sure everybody knows exactly when the 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 new uh the, you know the issuance schedule. For example, we, guys, we we did that. <laughs> it's all done. We're I regulated. think the
1: regulators want to protect people from losing their money so they want to stop you from buying bitcoin to protect you then you can't gamble away your pension money on scams and uh to some extent it might help some people that are not going to gamble away all their pension money on celsius so i don't know Mm. anyway
0: mate What? No, I'm going to ask the final question. All right. Okay. So if you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why?
1: So you mean the orange pill will turn you into a Bitcoiner? Is that that the point of the orange pill?
0: Yeah, the the orange pill is condensed. uh, It's it's, it's a maxi condensed orange pill. Mm
1: Mm. You've
0: got the killer orange pill there. Only one of them. Who would you give
1: it to and why? I mean, I could give it to Peter Schiff. That could be my payback yeah. <laughs> for delaying my Bitcoin adoption for several years. My...
0: When you see him talking now, how does it make
1: <laughs> you feel? Sorry? When, when I you see him talking?
0: Him, yeah, like him still carrying on about how...
1: I'm... I still like i still like the guy and i've been trying to analyze like what wh- where is he wrong i just want to i just don't want to throw out he's wrong so he doesn't understand the whole uh, menger value subjective theory he believes that money has to be a secondary value thing which is like a misinterpretation of the mises regression theorem that a good that is used as money has to start as a good on the market like it has to be a shiny stone it's diamond and then it's begin to be used in trade and then suddenly it becomes store of value and money so he believes that since bitcoin isn't that it can't be money and i think that's his only argument he always talk he always talk about gold as dentistry and airplane and computer chips and stuff i mean it doesn't even make sense because those stuff didn't even exist when gold was money mm-hmm. but <laughs> so so i know that he's wrong on believing that Bitcoin can't be money. Because to me, uh, Bitcoin is the perfect, purest form of money. It doesn't have the downside of gold. It's not physical and it is not used as secondary. It doesn't have any secondary use cases, which reduces the volatility. I mean, theoretically, in the future, when when Bitcoin is the money standard, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't create a lot of volatility because the industrial use of Bitcoin will suddenly spike in a country. Which is happening? which can happen with gold, right? Like if they mm-hmm. discover that it's great to use gold in iPhones or whatever, and suddenly the price of gold goes up, and then maybe they find the nothing, and then the price goes down. I mean, causes a lot of extra attention. So, so, so Bitcoin is this perfect capped, no uh, money that can be used as a measurement of value universally. So that's that's what I believe. So that's why I believe Peter Schiff is wrong. But I still enjoy listening to his takes. Because he still has a <laughs> pretty decent understanding of the of, of the market. all right. well, Peter Schiff,
0: there it is the uh, <laughs> the orange pill goes to uh, to Peter. You might have to ram it down his throat and, and you know keep his mouth closed until he swallowed it because he seems to be resisting it for some unknown reason. Uh, yeah. All right, mate. Well, where can people find you and reach out if there's any way that they can help you with uh, with Mempool? What's the best way to, one, one for them to contribute if you're looking for any particular uh, skill sets and how can they reach out to you?
1: When it comes to helping the project, we have a GitHub. And if you, you should use the project, install it on your own uh, node, for example, and then you can play around with it. You can maybe find some bugs, issues, uh that you can report on github um if you have the uh, if you have the knowledge uh, you can also like open a pull request if you know how to contribute code you can if you want to change something around and uh, we also have an open translation on transifex.com where you can apply as a translator if mempool is not in your language yet and uh, if you want to reach out we are we are on um, L, um matrix chat we are on uh, telegram we're on twitter on twitter we are at mempool and i'm at at soft simon all right excellent man yeah.
0: well it's been great to uh, to hang out and uh, get to know more about yourself and uh the brilliant work that you're doing at mempool i love the site i'm sure many of the people listening al- already knew about it but if this is a new one to you then go check it out thanks uh, thanks for coming on brother really appreciate it oh, thanks for the invitation There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed that rip with Soft Simon, creator of mempool.space. If you've not checked it out, please go and do that now. If you can contribute, please reach out to Simon. Now we need everybody pushing in the right direction. Go start your own project, people. Go get funded on Geyser. The episode before this was a a rip with Mick from Geyser. So if you do have a project, you're trying to get something going, you're looking for help, go list on, on Geyser. Not only will you find people who are willing to back you, you will find co-founders or CTOs or people that just want to help for nothing. This is how we are building in this bear market. But please as well make sure you're not scared off by this bear market. I've been having personal conversations with people that have been scared off. They've seen Bitcoin a long time ago but they think the volatility is too crazy and they don't want to get in and they feel as though they've missed the boat. This is why DCA, dollar cost average, FCA, fiat cost average, is your friend. There are so many different ways you can do that. There are even, I've had the founder of Bitstack on, and you can use Bitstack across Europe, across many different countries, and you just attach your everyday ATM card to it that you use to buy your groceries because you can't spend Bitcoin yet, and it rounds up. Like every 30 cents gets rounded up and and paid into Bitcoin. There's a, like there's so many services out there are being built. Satsback.com. Go check them out. Christmas is coming up. Every spend, you're going to get Satsback. And then you've got the, the show sponsors, which you know all about all the time. Swan in the US. Relay in Europe. And you can use Relay in the UK. Coin Corner in the UK and all of Europe. HODL, HODL if you want to stack just peer-to-peer. If you want to take this back to the bare bones of what Bitcoin originally was, a peer-to-peer network. Go use Huddle Hoddle huddlehuddle.com forward slash Bitten. Then use Wasabi if you want to start messing around with uh, with CoinJoin. It's all there. It's been built for you, and it's just about getting out there, meeting people, sharing experiences. You can use Orange Pill app for that now. Even that has been built. If you are the lonely Bitcoiner, you don't need to be anymore. Download Orange Pill app if you have iPhone. Android is coming soon. You don't. Know, don't worry. It will happen. But it will tell you, like. You have a Bitcoin, and maybe within 50 kilometers of you. And you can be anonymous. You don't have to give your exact location. Don't worry. Go download it. It's a paid service. Because if something's free, you're the product. Go find your people. Start building meetups. Start Just start something. And make sure you are, please, I'll let the music die at this point because this is a very important point. You need to take control of your coins. If you haven't done that, like Christmas is coming up, just put on the top of your wish list a Bitbox O2 hardware wallet, signing device, by shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. Whoever's buying it for you, if they use the code bitten, they'll get 5% discount. Or you buy it for yourself and just say to the person, this is the Christmas present I want, I went ahead and I bought it. And this it's going to be the most important piece of kit that you buy to take control of your coins. Do not Leave them on any of these exchanges. Even the apps and exchanges that sponsor this show. Don't leave them with Swan. Don't leave them with Relay. Don't leave them with Coin Corner. Take control. And please take that as serious a message as you can. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Soft Simon, for coming on. You've done some brilliant work in the space, educated so many people. Let's keep going, guys. Head down. Keep stacking. Stack safe. Catch you on the next show.